0: Dear congregation, as we look forward into this new year, where would you like to be? Where would you like to be this year? Maybe children think, one says I would like to be at school and the other says I'd rather not be at school and hopefully you all say I would like to be at home because home is a special place. But maybe others think it would be really special to go far away, go on a trip, see special places to be there. Another may think I would like to be in another place of work or another says I love the place of work I'm in. We can think of all different places where we might like to be in this year. But let me change the question. Because if all our hopes are just on being in a particular place, we're bound to be disappointed. Let me ask this question. Where do you want your heart to be this year? It's a different question, isn't it? Your heart, the most important part of your being, where do you desire that to be this year, and then there's only one place: one blessed place for our heart to be, and that is in the love of God that's verse five of second Thessalonians chapter three, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. We focus especially on that first half of this verse under the theme directed into the love of God. We see first God's love as the best place and second Christ as the only guide. Directed into the love of God God's love, the best place to be in this year. And second, Christ as the only guide to that place. This epistle is written to the congregation in Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a young congregation. And there is evident grace of God there, and yet... It was in need of being further grounded in the grace of God and in the truth of God. The zeal for the coming of God's Christ kingdom, but there was such an eagerness that it expected Christ to return so soon that some of them even thought, what is the use and what is the need to work anymore? Let us just wait for Christ to return. They had turned from idols to the living God, and yet they were in danger of being misled by those who walked disorderly, those who were not walking according to the word of God. And so they needed to be further grounded. It's understandable when you think of it that Paul came to Thessalonica and he spent only a few weeks there and a church was formed and he had to leave because of persecution. Imagine that, heathen or Jews, coming to salvation, and a few weeks later the preacher's gone. Paul had had sent others there to come, Silas and Timothy, and he wrote several epistles to admonish and establish and comfort them in the faith. And two of those epistles we have here in the Word of God, and so they are letters also for us as well. In the first chapter of this epistle, he addresses troubles and persecutions that they face. And in chapter two, he shows how all is leading up to Christ's return. And now he comes back to how they are to live in the present. In the first verses of this chapter 3, he calls them to pray that the blessing they received would spread to others, and the word would do its work, and all the obstacles would be overcome, and those dangers would be avoided. How would this come about? How will they be stirred up to desire others to be blessed? How will they enjoy this blessing themselves? How will they walk in obedience as they are exhorted in verse 4? How will this be? He will enable them to will and do what he commands. And he will do so. And there we come to our text by directing your hearts into the love of God and patient waiting for Christ. And that's also for us. The way to be grounded as a congregation, the way to be blessed individually and as families The way to have a burden to see the word of God spread and have an effect and have free course and be glorified and the way to walk in submission to Christ and persevere in the midst of whatever opposition may come is having your heart directed into the love of God. Notice this verse is about our heart and our heart is, is the most important part of our being because our heart is what controls everything else. It's in our heart that we think and feel and desire and make decisions. And so what is so important is our heart because if our heart is in the wrong spot, then our life is wrong. But if our heart is in the right place, then it will, we will be blessed. Our heart governs everything else. True religion is not just a matter of of doing the right thing and coming to the right place, coming to church. It's about the heart. And out of that heart being in the right place and doing the right thing and everything else, our hearts must be in the love of God. And when we hear that expression, the love of God, we can wonder, what does this mean? Is this the love of God? In other words, the love that we have to God? Or is it the love of God, the love that God has and shows? Other places in in Paul's letters use this construction, the love of God, to refer to God's love. And if we begin there, think of that love, that love of God. It's infinite. It's divine. In fact, 1 John 4 says, God is love. It doesn't just say he loves sometimes. It doesn't even say he he loves always. It doesn't just say he loves always a little or a lot. It says God is love. The fullness of love. As we heard some time ago, the Father and the Son in the Spirit are filled with love for one another within the triune God of love. And this is a holy, pure love. The text speaks of hearts being directed into this love of God. And when we first hear this, we may think, isn't that something which is too great for a a little creature's sinful heart to be directed into that love of God? And let's not just be abstract. For my heart to be in that love seems beyond. It seems too great or not. And yet, that's what we find in the Word of God. God brings hearts into his love, and he brings his love into hearts. 1 John 4, verse 16 says, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. It speaks of dwelling in God, and so dwelling in love. To be in the love of God. To be in the love of God. And then also to have the love of God in your heart. You think of Romans 5, verse 5. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You think of a heart as a bucket. And there is this, this, this water that's poured into the bucket until it's full and it overflows and it spills over the sides. This word for the love is shed abroad is, is a word that's also used for an overflowing bucket that, that spills over, so full. You think of a bucket plunged into the ocean. But your heart would be in the love of God, that ocean. What a reality, the love of God. What is that love? Can you tell me tonight what that love of God is? Think of Romans. When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be a propitiation for our sins. To have a heart in the love of God is to be in the love that moved him to send his son to die for a sinner like me when I was ungodly when I was without strength moved him it's a love that moved him to send his spirit to me to renew my heart and to to bring me into the enjoyment the sharing in and enjoyment of that love It's a love that moves him to see then my every need, my every problem, my every sin, my every misery, to see who I am and to delight to give mercy and grace. It's this love that our text is speaking of. A love that is so faithful that it doesn't give up even when you think now there must be a limit to it, now there must be a, it must come to an end when you see what you are. No, this is a love that is faithful and has no limit, no end. And it's also such a personal love that your heart personally would be directed into the love of God which isn't just a general love, but a personal love, to know that love of Christ, of God. Can you think of a better place for your heart than to be in the love of God? Isn't that the prayer of Ephesians 3? That ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. So vast. How broad that there can be no sin, there can be no circumstances that is broader than this love of God and how long it is evermore. The love of God is changeless. We sing from the psalm. It comes from eternity and it ends in eternity, which means it doesn't end. But how deep it stoops so low to reach And so high, higher than all the powers and all the places and all the things and all the people here below. There's nothing higher than God and there's nothing higher than the love of God. Oh, to not only hear of that love, but to have our hearts in that love of God. To not only be able to say some things about that love with our minds and with our lips, but for our hearts to be in that love of God. Is that not better than anything else? Can there be any better place to be this year than there? And is it not to have a heart in the love of God? Knowing that love of God, that also fills with a love to God. That's the order, isn't it? Sometimes we try to reverse the order. If I can only love God enough, then maybe he will show me his love. Has that ever worked for anyone here? That's not the way to know the love of God, is it? It's when I exactly when I realize I am the opposite of God, and I confess that and come before Him, that He shows His love in Christ. And then that's what gives a love to Him in return. We love Him because He first loved, He first loved us. We love Him. This love of God, to have your heart in this love also to God. What a blessing that is. That whatever happens in this year, it wouldn't make you argue, wouldn't make you murmur, wouldn't make you complain against God, it wouldn't make you think that God is not fair and God is not kind, or God is not this or that. But whatever happens in your life this year would find you in the love of God, also with love to God. That's the best place. Isn't that the place that Isaac was in at the end of the song? In the love of God. That was the best place, even though outwardly nothing may have changed in his life. So much did. If this year finds our hearts in the love of God then we will value God above all else, regardless of what people do to us or how work goes or how our health is, whether we're in the hospital or at home or whether we're in a workplace we like or a workplace we don't like or whether we like school or not. And it doesn't matter if it finds us in the love of God, then we will value God above everything else. As that Psalm 73 sings, In earth or heaven above, who is there that I love compared with thee? Then our desire will be to praise him. Think of Psalm 45. My heart doth overflow, a goodly theme is mine. My eager tongue with joyful song doth praise the King divine. It's a language of love, your heart being in that love of God. Then we will delight in God. With Psalm 104, my meditation of him shall be sweet, and I will be glad in the Lord. Whatever the situation in life may be, if my heart is in his love, then my meditation will be sweet. Then we will love his will, won't we? Holiness is a delight. To have a heart in his love leads to walk in love, a love for what God loves then his law is not a burden, it's not a chain, it's a delight. Because sin is attractive. When your heart is in the love of God, then all that goes against God and all that dishonors God becomes repulsive and uh, unattractive, and you want to be away with it and you want to be done with it because your heart has, is won by one who is so much greater than sin and the world and all it has to offer. It's but dung compared to the love of God. Oh, let me be with this God. Let me follow him. Let me serve him. His service is a service of love. Isn't that what 1 John 5 said? For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. They're not grievous when there's the love of God there. To have the love of God is what delivers from that self-centeredness and leads to walk in love also towards others. Isn't that what 1 John is so clear in expressing Love to God, the love of God, and love to God goes with a love to others, and the brethren in particular. This is a place that Paul prays their hearts to be in. These Thessalonians, there was probably a mixture of people among those Thessalonians, but he desires for them all, for their hearts to be in the love of God. Irrigation at this point. I don't ask whether your heart is always there. I don't even ask right now whether your heart has ever been there. But I ask this: Can you think of a better place? Can you? Can you think that your heart in in sin is a better place? Dear heart in the world is a better place. And that thinking you can just keep your heart for yourself and do your own thing is a better place than this place in the love of God. Nothing can be compared to that. Can your goal then be just to indulge in your own sinful pleasures and fill your life with who knows what this year? It will leave you empty. And it will leave you with a load of guilt. Can you just have as a goal this year to get ahead and to move places and to get places and, and, and become something in your work or whatever else. However far you go this year, if your heart isn't in the love of God, it'll st- all that you gain and all you go, where, wherever you go and however high you climb, it'll be so empty. Even as a child of God, so easily you can get caught up Wanting to be so many places and get places in this world. And of course, it's good to work hard and it's good to, and it's not wrong to go and enjoy the beauty of God's creation in different places. But at the beginning of this year, stop and ask yourself, where do I want to be? What am I so busy with? What am I pursuing? Where is my heart? Spiritual life shrivels up when the first concern is not that our heart be in the love of God or not. And when spiritual life shrivels, what can we expect to go well? Oh, how we need our hearts in this love of God. So that whatever our pathway is, it may find us in the love of God. And by now, maybe there is someone who says, yes, that is indeed the best place. But it seems so beyond me for my heart to be in the love of God. Can you be content with less? Can you? Can you be content just to receive some good gifts in this life, in this year, and then go on without this love of God? say, but how to reach it? How to have it? Can you not reach it? No. No, you can't on your own. You can't. Neither can I. Neither can anyone. No one can reach this love of God by their own efforts. But there's a guide. That's why the text says, the Lord direct your heart into the love of God. That's why our second point is, directed into the love of God by this best and only guide. The Lord. He is, first of all, such a needed guide, isn't it? We just heard that we cannot be content apart without our hearts being in the love of God. And yet isn't that exactly our problem by nature that we, we think that we can go on in life without our hearts being in the love of God? Our problem by nature is actually isn't just that we don't know how to get there. By nature, we don't even want to be there. Or not? Haven't you found within your heart that resistance to this God and that, that, that bent away from this God and that's your inexplainable corruption and guilt and sin? That, that's, and maybe there are those here still who are still in that condition. You are more eager to get ahead in work or in school, or pursuing your own goals, than seeking to know the love of God, or not. It's a lot more exciting to talk about work or hobbies or whatever else than to to hear of the love of God. And entertainment is so much more enjoyable than to hear the love of God. You say, how can that be? Something must be terribly wrong with a heart that would be more en- find more enjoyment in some worldly entertainment than the love of God. That's the problem. Our hearts are bent away from the God of love because it's so con- opposite of what we are that we're out of our element to be in the love of God. And that's why it speaks of the Lord direct. Literally, the Lord straighten. The Lord makes straight your heart into the love of God. Because he knows that our hearts are so crooked and so bent in wrong ways. So now when we confess in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have got astray. Everyone to his own way. Away from his love. In fact, Romans 8 even says a natural mind is enmity against God. That's the opposite of love. And that shows, again, something is so wrong with us that we, we do not value what is of, of infinite value, the love of God. And instead, we value things that have no real value. What a guide we need. A guide not only to tell us where to find that place of love, but also to turn our very hearts towards that place. There's also another way we need him, not only to to bend our hearts towards that place, but also because there can be so many obstacles, there are so many obstacles between us and knowing that love of God. That word for direct is also used in the context of obstacles. For example, in First Thessalonians 3, verse 11, where Paul speaks of the hostility of the Jews and Satan opposing his coming to them. And he prays that in the midst of those obstacles, God would direct our way unto you. Make that way straight and clear away those obstacles so that he may come to them. Have you found those obstacles? That unbelief. A blindness, what an obstacle to knowing the love of God. Worse yet, the wrath of God, his curse upon transgressors, the guilt of sin demanding punishment, unholiness that means how can I come into the presence of a holy God of love? All these obstacles may be there. And when we sense these obstacles, and when that comes home, what obstacles there are, then what a special guide we need to, to clear away those obstacles and make a path into the love of God. Maybe you feel so helpless to reach that love of God. You can hear of where we are in sin and where we are to be in the love of God and, and Christ as a way, and you can agree with it, and yet you don't know how to get there. it's it's true. The Lord Jesus himself says no man can come to me except the Father draw him. But this is the amazing thing. Christ is the guide not only points the way this is where you have to go but also turns and enables to come to that place. Is this the guide you need tonight? To turn your very heart away from every other direction. To clear away all those barriers that may be between you and the knowledge and enjoyment of the love of God. And to enable you to go and that your heart would be in that love. This is what we so need. This guide. And again, we need him not just initially, if we've never known that love of God. We need him continually. Paul prays that this guide would direct the hearts of these ones in Thessalonica into the love of God. Because he knows the Lord needs to continue to direct the, the hearts of his people into that love. There's still so much sin which comes against God. There's still such a waywardness that turns away from God and his love. There's still so much doubting and lack of faith that that makes hesitate to come before God. There's still such weakness and helplessness. There's still such earthly mindedness. And God sees it all. And he sees you, child of God, tonight. And he knows you. And he knows if there's come this distance between you and the love of God in terms of your knowledge and enjoyment of it. And here is that prayer. Here is that guide, the Lord Jesus, to guide you again into it. He also sees one here who who realizes there's so much more to know of this love and longs to know more but doesn't know how. There's this guide to guide you, direct you more into this love god he's a needed guide and we've already begun to speak of how he is the qualified guide when paul writes here of the lord he's referring especially to the lord jesus and how qualified he is as a guide christ knows our hearts perfectly He knows where we are by nature. He knows where we go even after grace. He knows where to find our hearts. And he knows the secrets within every one of our hearts. And he knows how to bring people from all different places into that one place. Because he knows that one place. He knows that love of God. He knows it perfectly isn't doesn't he because he is the son of God he is the beloved of God he knows that place of the love of God He knows that place he knows exactly what we all are and he also knows how to bring from where we are to where we are to be because he himself is That way into the love of God. He has that power to clear away every obstacle. It's what He does. Unbelief is no match for this guide. Blindness is no match for this guide. Waywardness is no match for this guide. Sin is no match for this guide. Because He is. The Lord, full of authority, full of power, clears those things away. And greatest of all, that sin that comes between us and God and that guilt that demands that we cannot be in the presence of a holy God of love, he has dealt with that greatest obstacle, hasn't he? Where do you see the love of God? Is it not in the Lord Jesus Christ giving himself to death under the wrath of God? Taking the place of those who deserve only God's wrath. So that those who deserve only the wrath of God may have his place in the love of God. That's what Christ has done. And because he's done that, he is the way so qualified to take us deserving wrath and to direct us into the love of God. What a qualified guide. What an effectual guide he is. There's none like him who has that power and who has that authority and who who does indeed come and show us that the place we are is not a good place so that we can't slumber on in some other place than in the love of God. He's the one who who awakens, doesn't he, to see the danger of any other place other than in the love of God because any other place other than in the love of God is to be under the wrath of God and there is no more fearful place than to be under the wrath of God. He's the one who awakens. He's the one who exposes that any other place is death he's also the one who reveals when you think how can I know the love of God he reveals himself as such a savior so full of grace so perfectly suited for sinners like us he leads to the knowledge of himself as the one who reconciles to God and in that way he leads to shelter in himself and when you're sheltered in Christ then you're sheltered in the love of God because you cannot separate being in Christ and being in the love of God because to be in Christ the beloved of the father is to be in the love of God that's where you find the love of God in that way he's he's yes he is the guide into the love of God and he is the very one who reveals that love of God. This is what he delights to do. This is what he continues to do. He doesn't grow weary of doing so. You know, there, there can be someone who thinks, if, if only I could know that love of God, then I would love him to the end of my days can also be in that time when the Lord first shows his love, that you think, I will do nothing but love him to the end of my days. And yet you've found, haven't you, that that love can grow cold again in ways you never thought it could. You drift away. But this guide doesn't give up. Christ, the Lord, doesn't give up. He's the one who continues to direct hearts of his people into the love of God. And then you realize, as he does so, that there is so much more of that love to know. And that's why this This directing your heart into the love of God is connected with this patient waiting for Christ. Because then then you find, don't you, that... To know something of that love of God you also realize that there's so much that doesn't fit with the love of God and the love of Christ in you and in your heart and in your life and that's also what makes you await that makes you long, that makes you look for the day when Christ will come and Christ will fill with his love and fill with the love of God and when you may be in that place of the fullness of the love of God. To know the love of God is to also come to have that grace to wait patiently for Christ. Then if your heart is in his love and your life you're still living in this world it's that tension which gives that longing for him to come or not him to come that gives an endurance makes you a pilgrim because you're not at home here anymore your heart here isn't here anymore your heart is there with him I think Rutherford said in one of his letters Christ has taken my heart to heaven it's there What a beautiful thing to be able to say. It's there in the love of God. That's what gives that patient waiting, that persistent endurance, that you don't want to be tossed about with every wind of doctrine, and you don't want to be pulled in every direction by all the temptations of the world. World, you don't have my heart. Let me wait patiently. Persistently for the Christ who shall come in glory. Again, when we hear these things, we can think these are lofty things. And they are, aren't they? And even as I preach, I can feel they're, they're things which are above us. To, to live with your heart in the love of God. But again, I ask, is this not the best place? And this isn't just some idealistic dream. This is reality. This is what Christ has come to do, to be that guide into the love of God. And he's not only a needed guide and a qualified guide, but he's also an available guide. He doesn't charge anything for his services. He doesn't come and inspect, are you a good enough person for me to lead into the love of God? He doesn't come and say, how will you help me along to, on the journey? No. He directs freely graciously, out of pure grace that humbles. Because we always like to manage ourselves. We always like to direct our own affairs and our own lives and even our own hearts. But if your prayer is, Lord, direct my heart into the love of God, then it's not about you anymore. It's about Him. Him alone. Paul has no confidence in the Thessalonians in themselves. But this is his confidence, that the Lord would direct their hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Is that your prayer? Is that your desire? Don't try to be your own guide through this year. You'll go lost that he would be your guide not only in in your various decisions that you are to make, but foremost, the guide of your heart into the love of God. Then in prayer, you can confess that you can't bring yourself into the love of God on your own and that you need him for everything. But when you need him for everything, he delights to magnify his power and his grace in doing it. Knowing he has the power to turn us, to incline us, to direct us, to lead us, to show us, to cause us to enjoy and to know this love of God. And when that's so, then you don't just desire it for yourself, you desire it for others too, don't you? Paul says, the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and you desire it for the whole congregation, or not. When you think of people, what do you think of? Oh, Lord, direct their heart into thy love. Difficult people, ones you disagree with, ones you like, ones who are nice. This prayer for them all, Lord, direct them into thy love. That's a blessed year, isn't it? Truly blessed. To have a heart in his love. Amen. O Lord God, we pray unto thee this evening and we give thee thanks for thy word which reveals who thou art as a God of love of love within thyself, O triune God, but a love thou dost also display in the Lord Jesus Christ, and a love that thou dost direct hearts into by thy mighty power. O Lord God, we confess before thee that by nature we are the opposite of love. We are enmity. And we have no excuse for it, but it's reality. Lord, break it all down. And if we are still living apart from thee, O God, direct our hearts away from every other place and to Christ, to know the love of God. Lord, we pray to direct further And in a renewed way, the hearts of thy people into thy love. And also those who may may think that this is too great for them. Lord, show them how gracious thou art in thy Son, who took the place of judgment to give the place of love. We pray to bless us further in this evening and in the week that has begun. And in this year, Lord, that whatever happen, it may find us and find our hearts in the love of God, and that so we would be preserved in the midst of temptation, and we would be strengthened in the midst of adversity, and we would be humble and grateful in the midst of prosperity, because our hearts are not fixed on these things but upon thee. O Lord, we ask for great things but thou art able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. And so we pray. Receive our thanks and hear us in thy mercy for Jesus' sake alone. Amen.